You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, I'm Jay Harwood from the New York Mets. Welcome to our Mets alumni podcast. My special guest is Doug Flynn, the only friend of 40 years. All right. Before we start, when we start, I got to tell you, Doug Flynn's probably one of my favorite guys. When I came to the Mets in 1980, I was a young kid coming from Fairleigh Dickinson. Doug was an established pro, and he really made it so easy for me to adjust the first year. And so I want to tell you one quick story. Um, 1980, uh, you win the uh, Gold Glove. Yes, sir. Um, then in the, in the winter of uh, January of 81, we held a press conference here. It almost gets me fired. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're down at Cody's. It's a, it's a country western bar. Um, I think we're celebrating your five-year contract extension, if memory serves me correct. That's correct, yes. Yeah. So I convinced Frank Cashin, who was a GM at the time, to wear a, a cowboy hat uh, when he was making the announcement. And as, <laughs> as he made the announcement, the cowboy hat slid over his head. And the next day in the Daily News and the Post, some of the papers, he looked like Elmer Fudd. <laughs> he, it was down over his head, and he, I, he called me. And he was off. They reamed the living daylights out of me for embarrassing him. Do you remember that, like Douglas? Do I remember it? Oh my goodness! Because they had called that winter and asked me to come to New York. They knew I was doing some singing in the off season, right? And I had called a friend of mine who was the lead guitar player for Loretta Lynn's band, the Coal Miners, and he said, uh, "Doug, I'll not only go; we'll take the whole band." So we had eighteen of us that drove up in several cars and vans and did two and a half nights and just really cold, bad weather. But the place was packed and we had a blast. And I still have that picture of Mr. Cashin in that hat and all of us standing behind him. And little did I know it almost got you fired though, Jay. You know, I would never want that. Doug, before we get to the baseball stuff, I don't know if a lot of fans know, you sang with the Comart, with the Loretta Lynn's band, with the Gatlin brothers and with the Oak Ridge boys. I mean, how, how serious was the singing for you when you first got into it? You know, Jay, we started with my buddy Greg Austin in a garage, and it was something to do. We didn't have a lot of money, and so we would go over, and uh, a friend of mine by the name of, who is Greg Austin, went to Auburn and played basketball for two years, got into playing guitar and singing, and so we would sit around and start trying to harmonize and uh, imitate guys and copy the stuff that we liked. And then all of a sudden he puts a band together and that's what I would do in the off season. I wasn't getting paid any money to do it. It was just, I'd go work out and then we'd go sing. It was fun. And the next thing you know, we got a lot of people coming to watch us. And so I never really uh, wanted to do it seriously. I love doing it. I never felt like I was good enough, but because of a, being a ball player and knowing Johnny Bench, who loved country music, he introduced me to the Oaks and the Gatlin brothers. And so every now and then they would like to embarrass us and get us up to sing a song or two. And then I enjoyed it. So it was more for enjoyment, Jay, I think, than it was in trying to ever make a living doing it. You know, my memory's fading in my elder years. Wasn't one of the songs you sang, I crawled all the way to the river on my stomach. No. <laughs> that wasn't the song. No, that was after a, that was after a double header in New York, I think, one night. Oh, that wasn't the song. <laughs> oh, okay. No, that was the name of it. it was called I I uh, I crawled to the river 
crawled to the river is the name of the song. And it was an Oak Ridge Boys song, an old gospel song. Right, right. And uh, it was like my first attempt to try to do something on an album. And it wasn't very good, but it sure brought back some memories, that's for sure. Uh, let me let me throw another date out here. June 15th, uh -oh. 1977. You're um, one of the four guys uh, <laughs> traded to the Mets for Tom Seaver. How much yeah. pressure was you on then? You know, Pat Zachary, Dan Flynn. <laughs> I mean, uh, Dan Norman, uh, you, yourself, Stevie, uh, Steve, Steve Henderson. I, you know, I, when he came over. Know, how much pressure was that for you to be one of the guys traded for? You know, perhaps the best franchise player in, in Mets history. Well, and you know, not only a great player, but just a great person. And that would have been like somebody being traded for Pete Rose or a Johnny Bench at the time in Cincinnati. I mean, Tom's record was unbelievable. He he's I, I don't have the right words to say what a class guy he was for all of us that got traded over there. Zach was the one who was established. Zach had run co-rookie of the year, and Stevie Henderson was our best minor league player. I was just had been a utility player with Cincinnati, and so I kind of got thrown in the deal at the last little bit. And um, You know, it's the best thing that ever happened to me as a ball player because I got a chance to play every day, and I got to play with, Joe Torrey is my manager, and when I got there, Kuzma was still there. Buddy Harrelson and Felix were still there. Just they couldn't have been any nicer or better to me. As a matter of fact, my locker was right next to Jerry Grody's, and Jerry had a glove in his locker that he had cut down for his 12-year-old son at the time. I saw it. I liked it because it was small. It fit my hand perfectly. And I traded him a couple of new ones, and I used that glove for the rest of my career while I was there. So, you know, there's too many good things that came out of my, my time in New York. I wish we would have been better. I wish I'd have played better. But the relationships that I made and continue to have, because I really, going down to fantasy camp every year, which I've been doing for a lot of years, still get to see a lot of people and tell them the stories. And um, there, there really wasn't that much pressure on us. But, you know, Jay, if you play hard in New York, and you keep your mouth shut, the people won't give you much trouble. They'll respect you. They might not like the, the outcome of what you're doing, but they will respect you if you don't alibi and make excuses. So I loved my four years there. As a matter of fact, when I signed my five-year contract, I thought, this is awesome because I'd love to continue staying up here and, and finishing my career, but it didn't quite turn out that way. You mentioned Joe Torrey. How was he to play for? Have you kept in touch with Joe at all in the later years? Or uh, you, know, he, he... you know, I've seen him at a couple of events. But, uh, you know, Joe was great because I remember he called me in. He said, all right, you're my second baseman. Now go play. And he really didn't put he, – he taught me a lot about uh, being comfortable out there on the field. And, you know, I felt like that when I was on defense that that was certainly something that I was a lot better at than I was my offense. But Joe gave me a chance to swing the bat. He's the only manager I had that let me really play. And I'll, you know, certainly – Never forget that. Uh, all the things that I got were because of him allowing me to play and you that you would you talk me up an awful lot when I didn't deserve it. I remember well, you coming in there to true, me and Doug. said, that's true. You, you called me in, you'd say, Doug, I got a reporter here. He's from someplace I'd never heard of. It's, and you'd say, Doug, it's not a big paper, but nobody will go talk to him. And I said, I'd love to talk to him. Yeah. And I think you yeah, all just wanted to hear my accent. That's why you do I this. do. I love your accent. <laughs> you you know you spoke about your your, your defense is one date that you you have a record all by yourself still after forty years in the Mets record book uh, 
Most triples in one game, three. You know, how about that? You know, August 5th, 1980. That was amazing. And I can, I can remember it. It was in Montreal. And I know the first one's in the right center field gap, and the left one was in the left center field gap. And then I hit a routine ball to left field my third time, third triple, and it hit one of those seams where they roll the football stands out and bounced straight over Ron LaFleur's head. And I'll never forget, I came up the fourth time, and Gary Carter says, Dougie, nobody's ever hit four in a game. You can be the first one to do it. And uh, so I actually had Gary pulling for me. And, of course, you know what Gary's meant to your all's organization. He was a friend of mine for a long time. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You mentioned the gold gloves. When you won your gold glove in 80, you were only the third player to mess play to win a gold glove. This was before Keith. It was Tommy Agee and, and Buddy. Yeah. And I looked it up. You had gone yeah. one stretch for three years. I think you made a little over 20 errors for three years. So it was a pretty good number uh, for any position. <laughs> well, you know, Jay, I, I took a lot of pride in it and, and I always, it came a lot more natural for me, especially playing second more than short. And I know they told me that I had re finished runner up in 78 and I was a runner up in 79. Nobody ever remembers that, but I think Jack Lang told me that the year I won it. He says, well, Dougie, you finally got one. Cause uh, you know, you were run up the last two years and, and it was it was real special because when I got to take a picture with Buddy and Tommy, uh, I'd always respected them. I'd watched them play as I was coming up. They weren't a lot older than me, but they were old enough where I can remember them in high school and how good they were. I graduated in '69 from high school. Of course, that was a great year for the Mets. And watching them and the camaraderie they had and the cohesiveness and just the way that those guys were. Uh, were special throughout that whole year. And when I got there, and I tell people today, if I wanted to teach a young person how to catch a ground ball, I'd show Buddy Harrelson film. Fundamentally, he was as good as anybody I ever saw. And Buddy's arm wasn't that great. He had good quickness. But, man, he just fundamentally got himself in a position to catch the ball. So I learned an awful lot from him and Felix. Yeah. I got one other question for you, two other, a couple more. When do you sleep at night? Like, I just made a list of the things you told me you do. <laughs> you uh, work for a central bank. You take care of about 90 branches. You have your own fishing show, Big League Fishing. You do a PBS show once a week, Kentucky Lives. You go to fantasy camp, and then you – I mean, I know you do stuff with the Reds and stuff. So how did you – when do you find time to sleep? What do you do? I try not to too much because, you know, you got to throw some fishing in there too. But it, it's amazing, Jay, when I got in my mid-60s, a lot of things, doors start opening up. This uh, PBS show that I do, they had a host that retired, and they said, Doug, would you fill in for a couple of months till we get somebody? And so I think we're starting our fifth season, and I, I love it. I'm going around, I, I'm learning about our state, but also sharing it with a lot of other people who don't get an opportunity to travel as much as I do. And then the Reds, are got a weekly show called uh, Reds Weekly, and we just kind of do a follow-up on what happened in the week before. But it's, I've been very blessed in the things that I've been able to do. Uh, I, I just celebrated being cancer-free for nine years, and the doors just start opening up. And I'm really getting to do a lot of things that I like to do with the fishing show, and I'm broadcasting baseball games, and a chance to go out and visit our state and talk to people, which is right down my alley. And, you know, that's what I appreciated about New York. You could always find somebody to talk to in New York. And I remember coming out of those games at nights in my car with my dog, Woody, and people would stop and share stuff. And, you know, the people to this day tell me stories about how they remember those days. They said, you guys weren't very good, but 
you seemed like you were all young and you seemed like you were having fun. And we were. We were young. We weren't that good, but we were getting a chance to be big leaguers. And I tell you, once you get a taste of playing every day, there's nothing like it. Doug, what, do you, what kind of stories do you do on Kentucky Live? It's not all sports, right? No, none of it's sports, actually, Jay. Uh, I was down in a small town, well, small compared to some. It's called Glasgow, Kentucky, a couple of days ago. And we would talk about the businesses, some of the history of the town, what's making it thrive, uh, how it's changed so much. Some of the old buildings have been redone. And so we will go into a lot of small areas, small towns. I've done uh, boat trips up and down the river where the locks uh, were first built back in the Civil War, and they just now started opening them up. Um, I'll cover like a Mennonite knife maker, how he has no electricity. And he's in a part of our state where he does it all through pulleys and horses. And it's just amazing things like that, um, showing the history of our state. We'll cover Daniel Boone, some of the places he visited, Jesse James, just all kinds of stuff like that, that Kentucky's been a part of history. Fantasy camp, I, this is my, my first fantasy camp this year, and I really enjoyed the different kind of people you have. You have women, you have people in the 70s, you have young people, brothers. I mean, it's a pretty nice atmosphere, and the guys like yourself really do a good job of bonding with the, with the people down there. Well, thank you. That's You know, Jay, these are the folks that have paid our salaries for all these years. And if you can't take a week out of your life to come down there and uh, what I tell folks, the, the pros don't get paid a lot of money. They comp us on some things, and we get paid some. But we're spending a week with people who have been supporting us for years, and they want to hear the inside stories, and they want to just put that uniform on, and they want to hang out with guys that have been in the big leagues. So our job is to make them feel as special as possible. Uh, and I would encourage anyone, if you've never been to a fantasy camp, you need to do it one time in your life. Because when you get down there, you'll find out that people that have come one time, now they're back for their 10, 12. We have a guy with the Reds fantasy camp who just completed his 29th consecutive camp. Wow. This is what he puts on his list every year to come hang out with his friends. And uh, we have a lot of fun, but we also raise some money for some good charities. And you know what's scary, Jay? In all the years I've been doing this, we're losing a lot of our players. And a lot of them have just passed away. I mean, most notably with AY, who, right? Yeah. If anyone never knew Anthony Young, uh, you missed something because this guy, it was a class guy and a big part of our camp. And uh, I think I like doing it because I see guys I played with and we're all getting older. And I see guys that I didn't know who played the game and we get to kind of share stories. So it's one of the most special times of the year for me. I think we raised money. You guys raised money for his daughter to go to college. What was that? What did we collect we did. this year for Anthony's daughter? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's a tribute to the Mets because they're not saying we do a kangaroo court and we find guys for various things. And, of course, we've had Jim Brewer there, too, which really helps. Who gets up. He's a great comedian. And he gets up and helps us with entertaining folks. But the whole idea is the Mets will allow us to take care of our own. And that's one thing that's always been great about baseball. They've always covered and taken care of their own. And uh, I'm proud that they don't. They say, okay, whatever money you raise, we can use it for a good cause. And helping AY's daughter go to college is something pretty special. Well, Doug, you've been a good friend of all these years. We, see, we can't look for any more records coming out now. You think the records are done? Uh, you know, Jay, uh, it's funny you should say that because we're starting to get back into the garage again, and we're going to put together a little something just uh, because we want to see if we still can. <laughs> who, 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 who are you seeing with, Doug? 
I'm singing with my buddy Greg and a guy named Mark Dennis. Um, Mark's got a beautiful voice, but we're all getting closer to that 70 mark. And Greg is still performing. I passed it, Doug. You have not passed it. You're younger than me. I passed it, yeah, just barely. You're just you, barely. Well, Jay, let me I it, let me just take this opportunity because when you got there, uh, there was no way in the world, and I say this in all sincerity, no way in the world I was going to win a gold glove because those things, well, that's true. They're, you notice you'll see guys that win them that have great hitting years or their own World Series teams. Our team struggled, and you were able to let people know that there was a few good things going on in New York at the time, and I just, I'll just i always uh, be indebted to you, and you know you're one of my favorite people of all time. You're, you're a good friend. I can't wait for the record to come out, Doug. Let me know. You'll be the first one to get an autographed copy. Thanks, man. Thanks for your time, Doug. Speak to you soon. Love you, Jay. See you, pal. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.